podcast. This is episode 75, and today we'll be talking about oral sensory processing again today, but this episode will focus on low awareness of the oral area as it relates to feeding or eating skills with kids. I had originally intended to spend one episode talking about oral sensitivities and low awareness together, but it turned out that I had quite a bit to say about each of them, so I decided to split them into two shows in order to give you all of the details that I wanted to on these topics. On today's show, I will discuss what low awareness means from a sensory perspective, what some of the signs are, and how it can affect a child's ability to eat and drink. I will also talk about strategies for working with kids who have low awareness on eating and drinking skills. I wanted to mention something that I haven't talked about in a long time on my show. First of all, the show has officially had at least one download in every state in the United States. The top five states currently in the number of downloads overall is California, New York, Texas, Florida, and Illinois. In the more recent episodes, I would say that New Jersey and Ohio are also pretty high up there on the list. I also have downloads in 59 countries total around the world. The top five countries with the number of downloads is the U.S., Australia, Japan, United Kingdom, and Canada. Those countries have been fairly consistent since the show started just about just over a year ago. Thank you so much to everyone for listening to the show all this time and for the newer listeners that are joining us now. I recently started offering continuing education units, also known known as professional development units, or CEUs and PDUs, for professionals who need them for their license. All you have to do to do it is listen to my show, which you already do. You have step one down. Now just get on my website under the show notes, click on buy now link, and purchase the test to get credit for listening. I know in the U.S. this will work for OTs in most states, but please check with your own state just to make sure. As for other therapists and professionals who need continuing education for their licensure, you may be able to use this for your credit as well. Just, again, check with your state licensing board. Most of that information is available online if you don't already know what the requirements are for your own state. I will provide you with a certificate of completion with all of the information about the episode after you submit the completed test. So you should have everything you need on that certificate to get your credit for the show. Please let me know if you need additional information for your specific profession, and I will do my best to get it to you. I have decided right now to do a special discount price on all my CEUs. So starting today through July 31st, 2018, all episodes are currently on sale for only $10. So take advantage of this special pricing and stock up on some credits. Also, if you're listening in any country other than the United States, I would love to get an email from you about what your continuing education requirements are in your country. 
assuming that you need them as well. I don't know if this is an option for you, but I would be interested in finding out, so please let me know. You can send an email to me at allison at mymidwesttherapy.com or just message me on Instagram at milestonespodcast. Now on to the topic for today of oral sensory processing with low awareness and how it affects a child's ability to eat and drink. Low awareness is a sensory issue where it takes longer than we would expect for the child to respond to things touching their mouth and the face area around their mouth. Broken down from a sensory perspective, let's just say you touch the child's mouth with a spoonful of food to get them to take a bite. It might take several seconds or longer for them to open their mouth to take the bite. Not because they don't want to eat. In this situation, we aren't talking about behavioral issues or that the child is full and not hungry. But from a sensory perspective, the spoon touches their lips and it takes a longer time than expected for that information to reach the brain, for the brain to process or realize that it felt something and figure out what that something is, a.k.a. the spoon, then for the brain to determine how to respond to that stimuli. Maybe the brain wants to tell the mouth to open up and take a bite. Then it eventually happens. For a child with what is considered to be a typical sensory system, this response would be seemingly instantaneous. The spoon touches their lips and they immediately open up and take a bite. There is no noticeable or visible delay in there in that case due to sensory processing anyway. To drive the point home, I'm leaving out all of the other senses that factor in with eating because I don't want to confuse things for this example. But I do want you to remember that all of our senses come into play and those are very important to keep in mind and utilize in strategies for working with kids on eating skills. Low awareness with eating is not just about the one example here of taking a bite from the spoon. We continue through the entire process of eating that bite with ongoing sensory processing delays. After they take the bite, they still have to get the food off the spoon somehow, move the food back farther into their mouth, use their tongue to help move the food and swallow, and depending on the type of food, they might need to move the food to the side of their mouth and chew it first then move it to the back of their mouth with their tongue and swallow. For a child with low oral sensory awareness, taking one bite can be very slow and time-consuming. Now, I did skip over the newborn and infant ages for this show because I really wanted to focus more on the toddler and older ages. But I will say that if you are seeing signs of low awareness in a toddler, they are more likely than not also had some signs of it as an infant, whether or not the parents noticed. A few things they might have seen are things like difficulty getting them to latch on and staying latched on to the nipple and also um, having milk leaking out of the sides of their mouth when nursing or taking a bottle. They also could have seen milk pooling in the infant's cheeks or at the front of their mouth when drinking their bottle or nursing. Now, as an older infant and toddler who are eating baby food or table foods and drinking from a cup, 
The signs might be similar, but there are also a lot more that could be even more obvious. Some of the signs could be things like not showing a particular interest in eating, but not really against the idea either. More of a take-it-or-leave-it type of a scenario. In general, they might drool excessively even when they're not teething. You might see that their mouth is constantly hanging open, and usually with drool pouring out or pooling at the front of their mouth. These are visible signs that you could observe just by watching the child while they are playing. They could also be signs of other things like enlarged adenoids, um, allergies, reflux, low tone, and other things. Some additional possible signs of oral sensory low awareness are that the child may not notice the spoon coming towards them with the bite of food on it. If they do notice it, they may not open their mouth to anticipate it getting closer to them to take a bite. It can seem like they aren't even interested in eating or taking bites when, if it is a sensory issue, it might just be that they haven't had a chance to process that the food is coming towards their mouth so that they can start to open their mouth and take a bite. All of that can just be delayed in what you would expect their response time to be. Sometimes kids still won't open their mouth until you maybe touch the spoon to their lips and try to make them aware of it in this way. Then if you get the spoon in, it could take a while for them to close their lips on the spoon to remove the food. And in fact, many times um, parents will get in the habit of just scraping the food off of the child's upper lip or teeth area or dumping the food into their mouth just to get it off the spoon for them. It can take these kids a very long time to eat one meal this way. And it can be confusing to their parents who often just feel like, They must not be interested, or maybe they're just not hungry right now. But then the next mealtime, it's the same thing again. The child with low oral awareness might not notice when they have food on their face, or even if there is food dripping off of their chin, or some left on their lips. It's hard to believe that they don't lick it off or wipe it off with their hands, but they just don't because they haven't registered that it's even there. You might find food hidden away in their cheeks later, even hours after eating the meal. This is especially true for things that are more difficult to chew, some things like shredded chicken or um, peanuts, or things that don't have a lot of texture or flavor to them but that hold together pretty well, like a cracker or a grape. You may find that they don't have a lot of tongue movement or awareness of what their tongue is doing. So moving it side to side to either put food into the sides of their mouth or, or removing the food from their cheeks with their tongue back to the middle for swallowing may not happen. A lot of times, kids with low awareness either don't chew their food or only chew a few times before trying to swallow. It can take a lot of effort to continue with the process of chewing repeatedly. It isn't a guarantee all the time, but it is common to see kids with sensory low awareness also having low tone in their mouth area, so the combination of decreased awareness and low tone can make chewing food completely before swallowing even more difficult. Their gag reflux could be non-existent or very difficult to elicit. This is a concern because we have that reflex for safety reasons. So we have 
less of a chance of choking on bites of food that are too large to swallow. When that reflex is absent, it can be a real choking hazard, especially combined with a child who doesn't chew their food completely before swallowing. Another thing to watch for is that sometimes these kids seem like they are never full from eating. Anytime you offer them food, they are likely to eat it, even if they just finished a meal recently, and you can't imagine that they would still possibly be hungry. This goes along with the idea of it taking longer for them to notice things. In this case, taking longer for them to notice that their stomach is stretching because they're getting full, if they notice this at all. As far as drinking goes, this is similar to eating skills. You can see a child having difficulty with closing their lips on the cup, especially when trying to drink out of straws or even with open cups without lids and the 360 cups. Sippy cups might be easier for them, not because they don't want to get messy, but because it can be easier for them to tip the cup up and let the drinks come out more easily using gravity with a little bit of lip or teeth closure to help get the drink out. Whereas with a straw cup, their lips really have to do more of the work to get it to come out. We still often see liquid leaking out or even just falling out of their mouth when they're drinking. Lack of awareness that the liquid is falling out rather than being swallowed, especially after they've already swallowed a few gulps and the last one didn't go down yet and just falls out of their mouth instead. If you listened to the previous show, you probably recognize that the things I'm talking about today are basically the complete opposite from that one. Sensory sensitivity and low awareness are pretty much opposite in every way. Okay, now for some strategies. What to do about all of this low awareness? Well, we need to think about stimulation. Finding ways to wake everything up and bring more awareness to the areas around the face and mouth is the focus here. So how do we do that? Of course, it depends specifically on each child's needs, but generally speaking, these are some things to think about, some starting places and ideas. For one, I start thinking about ways to get their mouth ready before it's time to eat or drink anything. That way, when it is time, and I'm talking about just a few minutes later, they will have a better chance to notice the food or drink. Starting with things like a vibrating toothbrush or a Z-Vibe type object that goes in their mouth, I find that a lot of the time, kids with low oral awareness really tend to like vibration. Be careful with the vibration, though, and make sure that the child doesn't have a seizure disorder. Those kids can be more sensitive to vibration, and it could potentially elicit a seizure. Even if there is no known seizure disorder or any other issue, uh, medical-type issue, I always watch kids with vibration to make sure that they're okay when we're using it. This activity can be ramped up by adding additional stimulation through cold or um, high flavors. What I mean by that is dipping the brush in a cup of ice cold water before bringing it to their mouth. The purpose of that is not for them to drink using a toothbrush or a Z-Vibe, but the purpose is to add the very cold stimuli to the equation in addition to the vibration. 
If the cold is not an option or not enough by itself for them, you can try using some high sensory flavors, things like lemon juice or pickle juice, things that are usually sour. The tactile piece of the toothbrush is nice because that in itself adds some additional stimulation for their mouth, even without the vibration or the cold factors. There are so many things that you can use other than Z-Vibes or toothbrushes. Things like blue tubing, chewy tubes, or just even certain kinds of spoons can work. You can use um, things like a frozen popsicle, like the freezer pops in the long plastic tubes that usually cut off one end, but just keep the ends on and break up the frozen popsicle that's still inside the wrapper. This way they can crunch down on it with their gums or their teeth. They can rub it on their lips and just feel the cold generally everywhere without actually getting stickiness everywhere. Now this usually only works with kids that really don't know what those things are because otherwise, if they know what's really on the inside, they might be upset that you aren't opening it for them. In that case, I would either decide to let them have it or at least some of it, or use something else instead. You can also just use crushed up regular ice if they have enough skills to manage that. If vibration alone is enough, then just stick with that though. Or even a toothbrush that doesn't vibrate, but you can dip in the ice water could be enough for them too. This really is one of those things that you just have to rely on trial and error to see what works and what doesn't. It is a pretty fun experiment most of the time, though, because it can be obvious when you see the results, and the child has a reaction to it in a positive way or shows an actual interest in eating or drinking. Also, with the vibration or cold stimulation, try to stimulate the insides of their cheeks and on their tongue and their gums or teeth and their lips. The more areas you can reach with it, the better really trying to get everything to wake up and start sensing what's going on. Even with all of that, it can still be difficult to get lip closure on the spoon when they take a bite of food immediately after doing all these things. It's definitely not a cure-all, at least most of the time, but try and capitalize on the moment immediately after using these items, offering a bite of food to see if or how much what you tried worked. You may need to continue simulation this way throughout the whole meal, after each bite or after every couple of bites, especially in the beginning. Do not dump the food into their mouth or scrape it off of the spoon using their upper teeth or gums area. This does not teach them how to use their mouth or even to be aware of their mouth for eating. We really need to work on them being an active participant and taking the bites as much as possible. And I'm talking about when we as feeding therapists or therapists are there working with the families during feeding sessions. One trick, if they won't close their lower jaw to take a bite, you can press down on their lower jaw or their tongue area with the spoon when you're offering the bite. This should stimulate their jaw to press back up the opposite way towards the um, spoon to make their jaw go closed. 
You still may have some trouble with the closure on the spoon doing that, but if you can get the mouth closer together, you can pull the spoon straight back out of their mouth, and hopefully they will have been able to get some of the food off in the process. Sometimes we also need to stimulate the outside of their mouth on their face, cheeks, and outside of their lips areas before and during meals and drinking. You can massage these areas with your hands or use the vibration on the outside of their cheeks or just rubbing briskly on their face with a washcloth or some other highly textured cloth type item to try and stimulate those areas. Going back to pressing down with the spoon to get their lower jaw to come up, you may need to also use your hand under their chin to help it lift it back up high enough for their mouth to close and and their lips to close on the spoon. Even just maybe one or two fingers pressing up under their jaw or chin area can help accomplish this. I would suggest offering foods that are considered to be high sensory foods. This to me includes things that are crunchy, chewy, sour, bitter, and salty. Now keep in mind that some of these kids or Many of the kids don't chew their food completely, so you have to be careful about what you offer within these parameters. For example, a carrot stick is crunchy and offers some great sensory stimuli in that way, but those tend to take a lot of chewing before they're really safe to swallow, so that may not be a good option for many kids. A better option might be incorporating some crunch into a food that you know they can already eat safely, but that might need some additions to make it become a higher sensory food. Let's say, for example, that the child likes eating macaroni and cheese. I would not generally consider this a high sensory food as it is, but if you crunch up some crackers or chips or add some dried breadcrumbs to the mix, it suddenly has some texture to it which can be very alerting and help the child notice the food, which also helps them notice their mouth, their tongue, and their teeth at the same time. You don't have to add crunch to do this. You can add some seasoning like pepper or seasoning salt or some other spices or herbs that have strong flavor to give that food some more sensation. Adding spice or seasoning doesn't necessarily mean adding something that is going to be really hot and burn their mouth or be super spicy. Just adding enough flavor to raise the awareness level of the foods that might be considered less flavorful or more on the bland side. Many parents are afraid to give their little kids foods that are spicy or even sauces that I would consider to be pretty mild because they think they won't be able to handle them. In these cases, with kids that have low awareness, I tend to suggest adding more spice or flavor when possible though, to help these kids out with actually being able to taste or even just notice the food. With low awareness, again, it takes longer for the brain to realize the sensation is there. So by adding the textures, or the flavors, or both to foods, it can help the brain realize the sensation is there faster than it would otherwise. You can even do this with 
some baby foods when they're younger. Those can um, baby foods can be especially bland to infants with low awareness. So, adding some additional vanilla flavoring or oregano or things like that could make those foods more interesting to them. But things that complement the foods too. We don't want them to taste disgusting. Um, and most of the time, if the child or the infant does not have low awareness, then there's no need to add anything like that. I am always cautious with adding things to infants' food because of the potential for food allergies. So always watch out for that. You could simply offer cinnamon applesauce, for example, rather than regular flavored applesauce. Or make your own and see if that helps with the flavor and awareness too. Most of the time I find that parents are surprised that their child actually does like the foods with a lot of flavor like salsas or chili and things like this that we tend to think of sometimes as being more adult type foods. Sometimes we don't actually change their regular food much but we'll offer a piece of sour candy like a Sour Patch Kid or chewy sour jelly bean at the beginning of the meal to offer that high sensory stimulation. Maybe a pickle or a few barbecue flavored chips can also do the same type of thing. I realize these may not be the healthiest of options that I'm listing here, um, but you can take these ideas and apply them to the individual families or your own family preferences. These are just meant to give some starting ideas so you can run with them in so many different ways. A lot of this goes back to, like I said, trial and error, plus the child's mood at that moment in time. I try to go with the flow as much as possible when working with families and their kids on feeding issues, even though sometimes it ends up being a really weird combination of foods. Like one visit I had the parent wanted to try and incorporate more hard-boiled eggs into the child's diet for protein. The child didn't seem to know how to chew the white part of the egg or the yolk. They did like Cheerios though and through some combination of experiencing all of these foods on their tray and pure happenstance, some egg ended up in the holes of some of the Cheerios. And the child was able to eat it, chew it, and swallow it with no problem. Having that mixed, more solid texture of the Cheerios helped them with the awareness in their mouth. In addition to flavors and textures, consider foods that have a strong smell, or you can even use a scented candle or scented oil nearby. This can stimulate their brain and help them be more alert. Smells are so often associated with foods and eating, but for kids with low awareness, it may take a really strong scent for them to notice it. And scents that might seem obnoxious to the rest of us could be just what they need to actually become aware of it. Think about our other senses also. They might benefit from sitting on a balance disc in their seat, This would give them a little wiggling motion while they are sitting at the table, and it can help stimulate their vestibular and proprioceptive senses, which can also be alerting to their whole body. If you have them sit on the pokey side up, that could be even better. 
Maybe you just have them swing for a few minutes before coming to the table or do some jumping activities first. Depending on the child, this could either help them wake up more or calm them down. But for a child who is demonstrating low awareness, these activities will most likely help wake them up or help them become more aware or alert and hopefully prepared for eating. When we're working with children and families, we don't just look at one specific activity like eating and drinking. We always have to consider the whole child, the whole picture, to get a better understanding of their sensory system and their overall development in order to make suggestions that are appropriate for their individual situation. I didn't explain that in this show because I wanted to try and keep the focus on how low awareness can affect a child with the specific eating and drinking activity. But please understand that there are potentially many other layers of the situation to assess and consider before you can start to make a plan for each child specifically. I'm going to end there for today. I hope you enjoyed the show, and thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.